And this morning we're, we're looking at the Father heart of God. And, and what does that mean? What does the Father heart of God look like? And so today in His Word we're going to see what God says about Himself as our Father. And we, last week we, we, we looked at, at father wounds and how the wounds from our past, especially from our father, and, and, and it's not limited to our fathers, but, but father wounds um, can, can affect our view of Father God. But we, as believers, when I accept Christ, I have to look at what God says about himself. And I have to allow him to heal me from my past and get a right view of my Father God. So, so this morning's message is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to be reading mostly Scripture. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuke, correcting, and for righteousness, and training up for righteousness. So, so we're going to look to see what God says about himself in the scriptures. Because I believe we can learn more from him about what he says than what you can learn about me and what I think. And so I want you to get your Bibles or your, your smartphones, and I want you to, to get ready. This is going to be sort of like, do you remember when in Bible school, and I think I was scarred by this, but in Bible school, we used to do this thing called, what was it called? Speed lookup or, what was it called? Sword drill. Well, I was pierced by that because I was never fast enough. So, so I'd be sitting there, we'd all put our Bibles up there, remember that? And whoever was leading would say, okay, Genesis 1.27. So everybody would go to their Bibles and they'd look it up and, and I would... By the time I got to the table of contents and figured out where Genesis was at, Sally would be standing up and she'd have it. And Sally would always win. So I was scarred by Sally. It caused me to cheat. So I would try to look at the director at his notes to see where the next verse was at so I could be there when he got there. But a better thing to do than to cheat is just put your finger in the table of contents. There's nothing wrong with that. So that you know when we go to Psalms, you can go, you can look to see where Psalms is at, and you can go there. I will try to go slow, but if I go too fast for you, just yell, Sally, slow down! Or maybe just Sally, okay? But I believe that what God has to say about himself is very important when it comes to him as our Father. And it is from Him that we learn how much He really loves us. And I would challenge you to, to write these scriptures down and go home and study them and learn what God the Father has to say to you, His child. Because you see, my Heavenly Father is a, he is a perfect Father. He knows me intimately. He cares about me deeply. He has unconditional love for me. He gives me peace that surpasses all understanding. His love heals my heart, my deepest wounds, and restores me to wholeness. 
That's what he promises as my father. And he sees my potential because he created me. And he desires intimacy and relationship with me. That's my heavenly father. Now, how do I know that? I know that because God's word says so. Now, if you would, turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Let's see what God says about us from the very beginning. You see, his knowledge of me is complete. It was complete from the very beginning, from the time of creation. Psalm 139. And it says he knows all of my, he knows exactly what you're thinking right now. He knows what you're thinking about me and about this message. He knows what you're thinking about him or the person sitting beside you. Psalm 139 verse 1 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, you are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is, is too wonderful for me, too lofty, for me to attain. You know, the psalmist is, is, when he thinks about the fact that God knows everything about him, that he knows the words that are coming from his lips, when he knows what he's thinking, and that his, the Father's hand, is upon him, he says, this knowledge is far too great for me to even grasp. And when we begin to think about the Heavenly Father and his love and his understanding of us, it really is too great for us to grasp. The psalmist then goes on and, and he talks of this, this our creator God and, and this, how he, in the midst of, of creating this incredible universe that he created, he had me on his mind. He had a plan and a purpose for me then. In Psalm 139, verse 13 it says, for you created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. So when you were in your mother's womb, he was putting you together. He made you exactly the way he wanted you to be. He gave you your personality. He gave you your looks. He, he, he gave you everything that you have. And he puts you together with great care. The psalmist then goes on. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Man, he's got a plan. My father has a plan for me. My father has a plan for you, your father. He's got a plan and a purpose for you, and he cares deeply about you. doesn't matter what happened in your past. He's got a purpose, and he's got a plan. 
And Romans 8, go turn with you to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. You see, my father not only has a plan for me, but, but as his child, I am valued. Again, it doesn't matter what happened in your past and if you weren't valued, but my father, your father, has great value for you. I mean, you are valuable. You are precious to him. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, Because those who, who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. You get that? You are his son. And by him you cry, Abba, Father, Papa, God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you get that? That we are heirs with Christ. That, that, that we will inherit everything that the Father has. Because I am valued. I am precious. Don't turn with me here. Let me read real quick Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. If you want, you can turn there, but don't yell Sally. Galatians 4, verse 7. But when his time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive full rights as sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. Since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. See, I am a valued child. And if you're in Galatians, if you go back a chapter to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For all sons of God, we are, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this word son here has the idea, and, and Paul uses it in Romans in a couple of different places. It has the idea of, of, of an adoption or an inheritance having taken place. And in, in the first century, um, in first century Rome, this was a law that, that when you were adopted, you became an heir as well. And that's our status as believers, that, that when we were adopted into the family of God, when we were received into his family, we became heirs. And so now we enjoy the privileges and the obligations and the inheritance rights that God has for all of his children because I am valued as a son and you are valued as a daughter of our heavenly father. Doesn't matter what happened in the past. Doesn't matter what you experienced in the past. You are valued by your heavenly Father. I love this verse in Zephaniah 3.17. And I want you to turn to Zephaniah 3.17. This is an amazing verse about, about how God feels about us. While you're turning to Zephaniah, you might need to look in your table of contents. That's a little book towards the back of of um, the Old Testament. Psalm 103, write this down and look it up later. 
It says, as a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. So he remembers our frame. He has compassion on us as his children. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes, he will take great delight in you. Your heavenly father takes great delight in you. He will He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now, who in the world has ever rejoiced over any of us with singing? But it says our heavenly Father, the one who created us, the one that has a plan for us, sings over us with rejoicing. Because we are his. We are precious in the sight of our Heavenly Father. That's a promise. That's something that we can claim as His children that we are valued. Now, I am valued, but I also have to remember that that my Father at time requires Him to to discipline me. See, as a Heavenly Father, um, He has to discipline me, and this is something we don't like to hear about. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Did you know that our Heavenly Father also disciplines us? But He disciplines us because He values us, because He cares so deeply about us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves. And he punishes everyone who he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as a son. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are, an illegitimate, you are illegitimate children and not true, true sons. Moreover, we all have human fathers who disciplined us And we respected them for that. Now, I recognize some of you may have been disciplined beyond the the, the boundaries that I believe are set up for us. And and, and you actually experienced abuse. And this isn't the kind of discipline that our Heavenly Father talks about. He exercises perfect discipline when it is needed, not abuse. Our Father disciplined, verse 10, our Father disciplines us for a little while, as, though, as, as, they, as they, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but, faint, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained up by it. So we do experience discipline for, for things that we do that are outside of the will of God. But the Bible tells us it's for our own good that the Father disciplines us. He disciplines me because I am valued by him. Now, my Heavenly Father also is not performance-driven. 
See, my relationship with him is not performance driven. You know, some of, some of you grew up having to, to please your father and, and the only way you were valued is when you did something right or you did something good. You were a good athlete and you had a good ball game and so, so your father valued you because of your performance. You see, our Heavenly Father, his, his love and care for His value for us isn't performance-driven. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. See, oftentimes we try to please God the Father. We try to earn our way into His presence, to earn salvation, to earn His love. But listen to what Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very, very, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still in sin, Jesus died. God sent his son because he loves us, not because of something we've done or something we've earned, but he sent him because he loves us. He gave you the opportunity of eternal life because he loves me, not because of something I have done or a way that I have performed. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. See, his, his love for us is not performance driven. It's because he chooses to love us. It's because he created us to love us. And it's not that I have to earn his love with my performance. There's nothing that I can do to cause God to love me more. There's nothing I can do to cause God to love me less. He loves me because he is God. Because he is love. And my job isn't to try to keep God's love, but he's le it's letting his love transform me. See, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit, they are not efforts of my Spirit. They're what happened to me when I become a Christ follower. You know, I am not a slave trying to earn his love. I don't serve him out of fear. And the tendency is when we have when we, we have been raised in a performance-driven home, our tendency is to serve our Father out of fear. And it's not out of fear that I serve my Heavenly Father. It is out of my love for Him and my desire to please Him. You know, Jenny was a young lady who went, out, who, who went out with a bunch of her friends one Saturday night. And while they were out... They decided they were going to, to go to a party. And, and Jenny knew at this party there were going, there were going to be things there that, that she didn't approve of. And that, that weren't godly. 
that wouldn't, wouldn't help to her to, to live out her Christian witness. So Jenny asked her friends to drop her off at her house on the way home when, when the rest of her friends were on the way to this party. As our friends started to tease her and, and make fun of her, and they said, so are you afraid your father's going to hurt you if you go with us? And Jenny's response was, no, I'm afraid if I go, I will hurt my father. You see, it's not a performance-driven relationship. I do, I serve my God because of my love for him and what he's done for me. My father's not a performance-driven father. He wants it to be a love-driven relationship. My father is an encourager. He is my encourager. But, you know, the only way that I can be encouraged by my father is by looking in his word to see what it says about him or what he says about me. And, and Joshua 1.6 one nine, I'm sorry. Joshua one nine. He says, Have I not commanded you? Joshua one nine. Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is something that 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 God spoke to the children of Israel, but I think it's still true for us today. Do not be afraid. Be people of courage. Because my Father, He is with me wherever I go. He is my encourager. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. You see, I find encouragement from God's Word. I find out a lot of things about my Heavenly Father in His Word that encourages me. But if I want to be encouraged, I have to be in his word. And we get discouraged when we're not. So my father is an encourager. And my father is my comforter. If you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You know, oftentimes as children, if, you've grown, if you grew up in a home where, the, where there was no encouragement, you get discouraged. And, and, and so maybe your father didn't encourage you. Well, your heavenly father will encourage you if you allow him to. And your heavenly father will comfort you if you allow him to. 2 Corinthians 1 verse Three says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That's my Father, a Father that is compassionate, a Father that comforts me, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from the Father. You see, when our Father comforts us, He comforts us so that we can then in turn comfort other people. But my Father is a Father that comforts me. And all of us at times need comfort because we go through hard times. You know, we lose a family member or, or something happens and we need to be comforted. My Father, the Bible says, is my comforter. Run to him for, for your comfort, for, for your peace. But my father is my comforter, and I, I, I have to read and hear. 
Because God's words are beautiful. And they are there for my encouragement and for my instruction. Allow the Father to comfort you. And you know, my Father is also my healer. And all of us at times are in need of healing. Whether it be spiritual or emotional or physical, I need healing. And in Psalm 1, turn with me to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. While you're turning there, let me read to you Jeremiah 30, verse 17. It says, For I will restore health to you, heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Psalm 147, verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So my father is a healer who heals my broken heart. And all of us at times have broken hearts. All of us at times feel pain. All of us at times have wounds that need to be bound up. The Bible says, God, our father says that he is the one who heals. He does heal our broken hearts. And he does bind up our wounds. That's a promise from my heavenly father. So my father is my healer. He is my comforter. He is my encourager. My father is always there for me. When I look for him, he is there. But here's the thing. You know, so often we think that you know, um, in our in perspectives class um, that, that is here on Wednesday nights, the first week we learned about cat and dog theology. That you know how cats are. Cats think they are the master and, and they're always in control and that's why we should never have cats. Dogs, in other words, dogs are there to serve. Dogs know who their master is. A dog, he just wants to love his master and, and do whatever he does. When you throw a stick, the dog runs, gets it, never asks any questions, just does what the master tells him to do. And the, his greatest reward is to do something for his master. You see, for, for, for ma many times, we're like the cats. We think because of this love that the father has, because he comforts and cares for us and encourages us, that he is there to serve us. And that whenever I come calling, he needs to be listening and doing what I want him to do. And if, I, if, if he doesn't do what I want, like a cat, I ignore him and I go do my own thing. In God's love for us, you see, he is merciful on us and loves us so that we can magnify him. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, it says that you are a light on a hill, a city cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp or put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light into the house. In the same way, it says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When God magnifies his love on us and he loves on us and comforts and cares for us, we should become a light that magnifies his love to us and not just absorb it into ourselves. The Bible tells us that the Father's love is for us. It means to glorify him. His love for us is a means for us to glorify him. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. 
See, because when he loves us and when our love for him and others comes out, we magnify him. Romans chapter 15 verse 8 says, Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promise that he made to his ancestors. He also came so that Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies. Do you get that? That we would give glory to God for his mercy on us. Not just absorb it and keep it to ourselves, but give glory to him because of his love. My Father loves me, and in turn, I give him glory and honor. I make him famous. I make him known. The goal of God's love for us is that we might praise him. Psalm 86, verse 12. He says, with all my heart, I will praise you. O Lord, my God. I will give glory to your name forever, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. So the psalmist says, with my heart I will praise. I will give glory to your name forever. Why? Because for your love for me was very great. And, and, and here's the thing that I want you to leave here today with. My heavenly father loves and cares me for me dearly. You know, he created me in his image. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He had a purpose for me. And all the days of my life, he's caring for me and loving me and encouraging me, and comforting me, and walking with me along the way, not just so that I could feel better, but his ultimate goal is that he would receive glory through his love that he showed for me. And so my prayer for you, for us, is that as God shows us as the Father shows us his love and his mercy and he cares for us, that we would in turn glorify and magnify his name and make him famous. That's what the Father's love is all about, so that we can make him famous. I want to read to you in closing. This thing is called God's love letter. This is all based on scripture. You can, go, you can go to the web and you can get this, but here's what it says. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all of your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew, I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake for all the days are written in my book. I determined that the exact time of your birth and where you would live. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and I brought you forth on the day you were born. I am not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than an earthly father could ever offer. For I am the perfect father. Every good and every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider. I meet all of your needs. My plans for your future have always been fulfilled with hope. Because I love you with an everlasting love, my thoughts toward you are countless. As the sand of the seashore, I will rejoice over you with singing. I will not stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish with you my heart and my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. I will see, I, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who who give you those desires. I'm able to do more than you could possibly imagine, for I am your great encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I come close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from you, your eye, and I will take away every pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And I tell you that I am, I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate us from your love. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been your father and I will always be your father. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Stand with me. Father, we praise you. Because you are, you promised that you would be our heavenly father. That you would care for us. That you would comfort us. Father, that, that you, would, you would be the perfect father that never leaves us or forsakes us. And so, father, may we receive your love, but also may we receive your discipline as your children. But Lord, may we... Um, as we receive your love, may we honor and glorify you and make your name famous among the nations. I pray that in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.